Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. And I want to start by asking you, have you ever met somebody in your whole life? Have you ever met somebody that you later wish that you'd never met? Now, don't look around, don't nudge the person next to you, none of that, (laughs) none of that. If that's a little bit too personal, uh, let me think, how about your best friend? Has your best friend ever met somebody that you wish they had never met? It's not you, don't worry. (laughs) What about your, your partner? Has your partner ever met somebody that you wish they'd never met? Your kids, have your kids ever met somebody that you wish they had never met? Your staff, has anyone in your staff met somebody that you'd wish they'd never met? Isn't it interesting that so often uh, our greatest regrets in life and the greatest regrets of those we love are often connected with the people in our life? I don't know what your biggest regret is, what the biggest regret of your life is, but uh, you probably weren't alone at the time. Or if you were alone, it probably wasn't. Dis- it probably uh, was connected with somebody else. There probably was somebody else that was part uh, of that scenario in some way. Uh, I um, uh, spent a decade in the corporate world before I started working uh, in church and um, I was, came from a sales and marketing and publishing background and I remember one year we had our office Christmas party. It was an intoxicatingly beautiful day and I use that word uh, intentionally because we all know what Christmas parties can be like and uh, this Christmas party was a cruise on Sydney Harbour. It was a beautiful day uh, out on the harbour and there was a, the Christmas party was um, put on by the company. The after party, as many of you know, was not so by the company. However, it went ahead uh, down at Darling Harbour. A lot of the crew went out uh, for this after party in one of, the, one of the bars down at Darling Harbour. And I had a moment that evening with one of my colleagues uh, where I hit this moment where my conscience started to light up with red flags. You know those moments? My conscience started to light up with red flags. And I had a choice in that moment, as we all do when we hit up against those where I could have seen those red flags as a frustrating barrier uh, that I just wanted to charge through and I could have driven my life into a wreck at that moment, potentially. Or I could have heeded those red flags, paid attention to them for what they were. A guardrail to direct and protect me, to preserve my life and keep it moving in the direction that God had designed it for. Which, by the way, is what I chose to do. (laughs) Better close that story out properly. <laughs> and so I know, I know how it goes, particularly in the workplace. I know how it goes. I know what it can be like. I know what Christmas parties are like. I know what after work drinks are like. I know, I know how it goes, particularly in workplaces. And I get how carefully we have to live. And so we're spending five weeks talking about guardrails together as a church. Why? Because you matter because your life matters. Not only does it matter to, um, to, to the people who love you most, uh, not only does it matter uh, to, to those in your life, but it matters to the God who created you. Uh, it matters to him because he made you with uh, overflowing potential. Your life is brimming with potential. Potential uh, to do something, something real and something meaningful in your corner of the world uh, to, make, to make our world look a little bit more like heaven. Your life is brimming with potential, whether you see it or not. Your life matters. 
Now you might be thinking, oh great, the one week I come to church, uh, then they're talking about rules and guidelines that God might have for the way that we're going to live our lives. Awesome. This is the one week that I come to church, or this is the one week that I bring my friends to church, uh, and this, this is what we've got this morning. Uh, that's, not, that's not what I'm talking about. That is not what guardrails are designed for. Uh, they're not behaviour management. They're not just to keep you in line by a God who's sitting up in heaven somewhere on a cloud, like you see on those cartoons, shaking his finger and chucking down lightning bolts. Uh, that is, not, that is not what guardrails are about. The way that you live matters to God because he created you to live a big and magnificent life. And you can't do that so well if you're driving outside guardrails. You know what guardrails are, right? A guardrail is a system that is designed to stop vehicles like this one uh, from crashing out outside the safety zone into the danger zone and driving into dangerous or off-limit areas off the road. Now, guardrails are placed inside the safety zone, right, in order to protect and direct. They have two purposes. Guardrails are there to protect and to direct. They're designed to minimise damage. You've still got to get your car repaired if you hit a guardrail, but the, the damage is going to be so much less than if you had crashed off course and ended up in a ditch somewhere. And as you can tell from that little story of mine, uh, the road is not the only place that we need guardrails in our lives. We need financial guardrails. We need professional guardrails. We need relational guardrails. The things in our lives that in a sense constrain us, but in the same way that a jazz musician plays rigid scales and constrains themselves in the way that they rehearse in order that they develop the freedom to be able to improvise well. In order to live the lives that we were designed to live. Guardrails are about living wisely. God has given you this one and only life, this life that is brimming with potential. He's prepared good works in advance for you to do. and Nobody else can do them. It's important that we take care of the lives that God has entrusted to us, to make the most of them. One of the greatest gifts that God has given us in helping us to navigate our lives well is this thing called wisdom. It's the ability to conduct our lives uh, to the best, in the best possible way and to the best possible effect. That's what wisdom is, particularly when you're looking at the Old Testament in the Bible. What does the Old Testament say that wisdom is? This is, this is what the Old Testament says wisdom is. Is there anyone who doesn't want that? We all want that. We all want to be able to conduct our lives in the best possible way to the best possible effect. Now, God cares so much about our lives and so much about shaping wisdom in us that he's given us a whole book full of wisdom proverbs called Proverbs, aptly, uh, one of which was read to us today. In case you blinked and you missed it, maybe you sneezed, maybe the person next to you sneezed and you missed it, here it is again. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now, the writer Solomon uh, is showing us here that the people you walk with, the ones that you do life with, that you work, rest and play with, the ones who are uh, the, uh, part of the fabric of your life, uh, they have such a significant impact, not only on your ability to conduct your life to the best possible effect, but on your well-being. And so we need some relational guardrails. The question you might be asking is, why would I need, and why would I want guardrails with my friends and relationships? Isn't that a bit judgmental? Isn't that a bit just being on your guard all the time and looking out for danger in every corner? Why are they important? Now, let me front load all of this by saying that there's a big difference between being judgmental and exercising good judgment. Isn't there? Having guardrails in your relationships is not about being judgmental. It's not about assuming the worst about other people. It's taking responsibility. It's about you. It's taking responsibility for the life that God has entrusted to you 
and exercising good judgment when it comes to who, who you walk with in your life, knowing that they have such a significant impact on the, your, how your life pans out. Being judgmental is forming an opinion about what someone should start doing, stop doing, forming some, setting, up, setting yourself up as a judge, forming some kind of harsh or critical opinion about them, expecting them to act or behave differently. Good judgment, on the other hand, is about me. It's about choosing how I want to live. It's choosing to live wisely. It's taking seriously that God has given me alone responsibility for my life, for my mind, my body, my soul, my spirit, my talents and their development. God has given me responsibility for all of that. He's put me in charge of my life, which requires what of me? It requires living with good judgment. It requires wisdom. It's asking what is the wise thing for me to do in any given situation? in light of who I know myself to be, in light of what I want from my life, and in light of what God has given me to steward, which is different to what he's given you to steward. And so in having guardrails with friends and associates, I'm not judging a person, I'm just looking at me. What, is it, what does it look like for me to make wise decisions, particularly in, fa- in light of the fact that most of our biggest regrets in life have to do, have some kind of connection with other people? This is about using good judgment to be good stewards of the lives that God has given us responsibility for. And so we read in the NIV, walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. The message translation uh, I quite like as well goes on, become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. Slightly more abrupt. (laughs) Watch your life fall to pieces. Kind of gets the message through though. Now, does that explain why, what, when you, why, when you were growing up, your parents were slightly paranoid about the types of people that you hung out with or dated? <laughs> why there were certain people that you weren't allowed to have a sleepover with, that you weren't allowed to go to the movies with, that they didn't want you to hang out with? They knew this. They knew this. They knew that your friends, the people that you associate with, have such a, such a potential impact on the way that your life pans out. Become wise by walking with the wise, hang out with fools and watch your life fall to pieces. I can think of kids in high school who were really smart and still their lives are in a mess because of the crowd that they fell in with in high school. Anyone else think of people like that? We know this to be true. And so are parents just being judgmental or nosy and being paranoid about who their kids hang out with? Well, maybe, but... (laughs) Can you see that really probably they simply just care about the people that God has entrusted to their care? And they know that your friendships determine the direction and the quality of your life. And so they're exercising good judgment. And so the question is this, now that we are responsible for our lives, for what God has entrusted to us, are we as careful about who we associate with as our parents were about who we associated with as kids? Do we see the potential in friendships and associations to derail us like our parents did? And do we take the responsibility to steward our lives as seriously as they did? Do we even think about it? But you know this to be true, right? The reason we need guardrails in our relationships is not because we see danger everywhere or because we're judgmental, but because the nature of relationships is that we're drawn to places where we feel accepted, But we let down our guard. We want to feel accepted. And there are groups of people that that's really safe to do with, but there are groups of people where that is not safe to do with. That's not a good idea. And so we need guardrails in our friendships. Red flags that light up our conscience when we're veering out of the safety zone. 
like for me at the Christmas party, the red flags that we decide ahead of time that we're going to pay attention to and heed. Now, I'm not saying we need to be on our guard in all of our relationships. God designed us for connection and vulnerability is needed uh, for that to happen. But there are others with whom guardrails are required if we're going to be responsible stewards of the lives that God has entrusted to us. So have a look at this proverb with me again. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. The future state of your life will be impacted by people who you spend time with, do life with. We become, in other words, we become like the people that we hang out with, by the people that we walk with. Solomon, who wrote this proverb, was the son of King David, a famous king in Israel, God's people, and he was considered to be one of the wisest men who ever lived. So he knows wisdom, right? He knows how you get wisdom. He knows how you exercise wisdom. He knows how you pass wisdom on. And what he says to us through this proverb is that becoming wise, learning to live in such a way that you maximise your life isn't a given. It's not something you're born with. It's something that is contagious, however. Walk with the wise and become wise. It's something that rubs off. If you want to be wise, if you want to learn how to maximise your life, then spend time with wise people. Surround yourself with them. Wisdom will be contagious. We become like those we spend time with. By contrast, he says, the companion of fools suffers harm. Now, this is unexpected, isn't it? Because we expect that the second, second half of the parable will mirror the first, for a companion of fools becomes foolish. But no, it it overleaps the climax of the proverb and goes one step further to say not only will you become foolish, you will suffer the consequences of the fool's actions that you hang out with. They're going to go through the guardrail and take you down with them, in other words. You'll be harmed by their careless living, which is what a fool was, somebody who didn't live carefully. They weren't careful with their own lives and so as a result they weren't careful of the lives of other people in their company. They weren't careful with their own health and so they weren't careful with other people's health. Don't you know know that to be true? How many of you have seen somebody who's not careful with their money who might borrow money from somebody else and never repay it? They're not careful with their own money and then aren't careful with somebody else's. They're not careful with their own time and so they're not careful with somebody else's time. The closer you are to people who live carelessly, the greater the chances are that something's going to go wrong for you. As they go, you go. Now, how do guardrails work in friendships? When it comes to friendships, they function by lighting up your conscience at certain points in time before you veer into the danger zone. Not in the danger zone, in the safety zone. But they light up your conscience with red flags. The idea is that we heed those red flags, pay attention to them and course correct. They're there to direct and protect. And so I simply want to outline five guardrails for us this morning, uh, for friendships, as you consider your future, knowing that your friends and associates impact the direction of your life. If you're a pen and paper person, you're a note taker or a phone Take a phone note taker. Uh, get that out now. You might want to write these down or you can take photos, whatever's helpful for you. Uh, here we go. Five guardrails for friendships. The first one is this. When it dawns on you that your core group isn't moving in the direction that you want your life to be moving in, that should light up your conscience. That's a warning to reconsider what do you want your involvement with this group of friends to be. No one else but you is responsible for your life and keeping it moving in the direction that you feel God has called you to move in or the direction that you want your life to move in. 
And so when a guardrail lights up your conscience with red flags, that's a gift for you. That's wisdom talking. That's something to pay attention to. That's something for you to grab hold of and run with as a gift to help you maximize your life. Because you want to be able to let, let down your guard with your friends uh, when they start to move in a direction that's different from the direction that you want your life to move in, uh, that should tip you off to reconsider how you, what you want your involvement with that group of friends to be. Secondly, when you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are, that should light up your conscience. That's a guardrail. When you think, I don't believe this, but I'm doing this. How did this happen? When you feel the pressure to pretend to be somebody other than who you are, that's a red flag. When you find yourself agreeing with things on the outside through your actions and your words that you disagree with on the inside, that's a guardrail, that's a red flag, that should light up your conscience. Don't settle for friends who lead you to be somebody other than who you really are. You'll be lying to them and, if you, and you'll be lying to yourself and if you lie to yourself long enough, you'll effectively become somebody other than who you really are and who you want to be. Number three, when you feel pressured to compromise. Now, the guardrail is not once you've compromised. That's when you've gone through the guardrail and you're in the ditch. (laughs) It's when you feel pressured to compromise. It's when something that was never a temptation before suddenly becomes a live option for you. Suddenly becomes like, oh, maybe, maybe I could do this. Maybe this wouldn't be such a big deal. When it suddenly becomes a live option, when it was never a temptation, that's, that's the guardrail. That should light up your conscience. Before, when you've easily said, no, 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 you go on, that's fine, I'll just stay here. When you start to think, you know what, there's probably nothing wrong with that. I'll go. That's, that's the guardrail. When you find yourself imagining it, when it changes on the inside and turns into a live option... That's when you're into a guardrail. Fourthly, when you catch yourself thinking, I'll go, but I won't participate. Now, can you imagine that you were one of our wonderful youth leaders and you spend uh, lots of time caring for, investing in our wonderful teenagers in our church at Northside and one of the 14-year-olds comes up to you and they say, there's this amazing party on Friday night. There's going to be all this crazy wild stuff going on. People are probably going to be doing some things that are illegal. And I'm just going to go, but I'm not going to participate. Now, how are you going to feel about that? Are you going to buy that from them? No. If it was your kids, would you buy that from them? No. Now, let me ask you, why do we buy it from ourselves? If we wouldn't buy it from anybody else. I'll go, but I won't participate. Now, I'm not saying that you shouldn't go. I'm saying that when you start to have that conversation in your head, that should bother you. You should pay attention to that. That should light up your conscience because you've hit a guardrail that's there to direct and protect you, to keep you safe and help you make the most of your life. Pay attention to the conversation you're having in your heart. Be honest with yourself. You don't need to pretend with yourself. You don't need to pretend with God. Be real with yourself about the conversation you're having with yourself. And number five, I think this is the one that probably stings the most. When you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. Even if you do nothing wrong when you get where you're going. Even if you do nothing wrong and break no laws and do nothing unfaithful. 
What you've begun there is the nucleus of a lie. You haven't lied to anybody. But if you start to worry about, I don't want to have to tell the truth about where I've been tonight, that's the guardrail. If you wouldn't want to have to tell the people that you love, the people that care about you, if you hope they never find out, then you've hit a guardrail. That should bother you. That should light up your conscience. Now, don't expect culture to back you in this. Don't expect your workplace to back you in this. Culture says, oh, come on, just do this. Don't be such a straighty 180. Anyone else been called a straighty 180? No, just me. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. Don't be such a straighty 180. It's fine. You're in the safe zone. You don't need to like, put up a, a limit. You don't need to put up a guardrail until you're in the danger zone. No. The guardrails work effectively when they are in the safety zone to stop you from veering into the danger zone. You'll be misunderstood. Let me guarantee it. People will think you're being a straighty 180. But do you see how important this is to live the lives that we've been created to live? To direct and protect. People will say, just be careful. And you're like, no, no, this is me being careful. This is me living carefully and making the most of my one life. This is important because this week, people in this room, people in our neighborhoods will wake up and wonder whose life am I living? How did I get here? How did this happen? It's why we need guardrails, internal rules, if you like, that light up in our conscience before we end up in the danger zone so we can live in the freedom that we've been created for. So let me ask you, maybe you wished I wouldn't, but I'm going to. Let me ask you, what red flags are you ignoring in your friendships or associates? What red flags are you ignoring? What conversations are going on in your heart that you're pretending are not happening? Where is your conscience lighting up? At work? At the gym? With your friends? At lunch? That sport, with your neighbours, what are you talking yourself into? And if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I've just crashed through a guardrail in a significant way, maybe even this week. Can I repeat what Sam said last week is that we are not standing here looking down at you and saying, what have you done? You've crashed through a guardrail, judging you. Would you let us be uh, the rescue crew to help hoist you back up onto the road and set you on your feet again? Nobody here is here to judge you or condemn you for having gone through a guardrail. We hope and pray that this community is a safe place for all of us to heal in various ways and to help one another, help hoist one another up out of the ditch and set us back on our feet, back into the lives that we live. I hope you hear that if that's you this morning. We are here to love and support you no matter what life is looking like for you at the, at, the, at the moment. So having guardrails is not about a lack of concern for other people or a lack of love for other people. It's taking responsibility for the one potential brimming life that God has entrusted to us and making the most of it for God's glory, for our benefit, for others' benefit and for our joy. There are so many things in life that can take you out if you're not careful, right? If you don't live carefully. And this is just one area, but it's a significant one. 
God has prepared good works in advance for you to do. Amazing works. Works that can bring life and joy and meaning to other people's lives. There might be people who have crashed through guardrails themselves and because you're on the road, because you've stayed within a guardrail, you're in a position to help them, to help hoist them back up. Walk with the wise and become wise. And as we learned last week, be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as as wise. Let's pray. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.